Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Howdy, folks. Happy Wednesday. Happy hump day. We're back. Um, Eck should be back tomorrow, so we'll probably do a show tomorrow. Uh, around 3 p.m. Hopefully okay. get back to a regular in the regular swing of things on f- Thursday and Friday. You look too big. All right, go ahead. Oh, oh. Okay. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, That's no, good. I have to do like there you go. Now my chair is like down on the ground basically. I'm I'm like I'm sitting yeah. in that bean chair that Eck almost like fell oh, off. That, That's still neck. one of the all time great moments. Uh, I wish I wish I could find that. I'm sure probably somebody's got it out there. But let's yeah. start with the pre show. Go ahead, Russ. So um I saw a long, a long form interview with Adam Silver and Stephen A. Smith on ESPN, and I found it interesting on a couple levels. Um, the first one was, and this was like one of the last questions. You know how, like, when they do a last question, they knew it was the most important question, but they didn't want to like lead with that. And that was about James Harden, and they said, well, not specifically James Harden, but what do you think about players that are trying to get out of contracts and stuff? And Adam Silver acted like this has been happening for years, but it really hasn't. And the fact that Harden is not at at um, Sixers camp now is really bad. And I think Silver should step in. And I don't know why he's not. Uh, and I think the longer he doesn't, the more he just gives power to those players. Yeah. James Harden is a disgusting human being in the sense that, you know, he's not a bad human being in terms no. of bad things, but he gets fat when he's with Houston to, because to get out of to get out of being with the Rockets, he gets traded to New Jersey. He forces his way out of there apparently because, um, you know, he didn't like sharing the ball with Kyrie Irving and and Kevin Durant. Now he's in Philadelphia. And now he's pissing and moaning, and he wants to get out. I mean, honestly, show why, up to work, and if they trade you, they trade you, and if not, do your job. Why any NBA team pays this? Creep? Oh, I know. You know, like you're giving him $35 million or $40 million for what? The the pleasure of being um, just being in misery? I, he's honestly, in Houston. He's probably at Whataburger every day. Yeah, but he, that's the thing that's ridiculous. He wanted to get out of Houston three years ago. Now he wants to go back to Houston. Why? Because he wants to make – because they, they suck. There's no expectations there, and he can make money. I know it's it is it's a crazy thing. The other thing though that struck me, and um, to answer Michael Cohen, he says the Hockey Buzz site needs a new server. Why don't you buy it? You've got all this extra money now. Um, so anyhow, talking about um, the other thing about Andrew Silver, I he what he did do that was good was he really pushed the WNBA playoffs and talked about it at length. And again, this is something where I feel like the the NHL, other than you know letting um, some of the uh, women's hockey players into the all-star game or whatever, I still don't feel like they've given them enough of a platform, right? And the NBA has, you know, is really stepping up now with the WNBA. But I also think they see um, potential rewards there, Mike, because as an example, um, we've been seeing that there are some big, big, some have been some big women's events that have been selling out. Did you see in Iowa that they sold out a um, 
a volleyball game in the football stadium. They played it outdoors, 55,000 people. Sold out. 55? Yeah. Wasn't there something in Michigan that uh, it was like a – I don't know if it was a – Yeah, there was something – I forget what sport it was. Well, that's what I'm saying. So I think the NBA is smart enough to see that these potential gains are on the horizon because there's a lot of female sports fans out there, especially – uh, younger fans that really maybe not be a sport of any a fan of any sport yet and are just becoming fans. And I think that's something that would be a good place for the NHL to to kind of give that extra push to the new well, league. But they just they don't seem to want to do it right now. I, see, I don't understand because they they did say and, you know, I don't know if it's Gary Bettman or Bill Daly. They did say that when, you know, the war between the PHWA and the uh, you know, the, I can't even remember. It's like al- alphabet soup. The two leagues. Yeah. Yes. Um, when if it was finally over, that they would, you know, provide some backing or some support. And really, they haven't. I mean, it's then that no. this group with Billie Jean King. And uh, I, think and I get Billie Jean King great credit. Like, I've met her. She is legit. She will do everything in her power to push that. But the league can do more. It's no right. offense. No, I, I give her I give her a ton of credit to provide you know the support and backing, and there's a couple other people as well. But the at the league, I mean, this is the, the, there's no downside here. But there's you know, no downside. The, the league, the and we're not going to go into it today. But the league is focusing on things that aren't broke and trying to break them. Right. So, <laughs> you know, so that that's that's a that's a wonderful thing for your sport to like. Okay, one thing is working; it's fine, and now now we're not going to do that anymore. Nah stupid but anyway let's let's start the show um hello hockey world today is wednesday october 18th 2023 i'm russ cohen from sportsology and i'm michael agello and this is the hockey buzz cast here on hockeybuzz.com all right let's start with a few things uh i was at the sabers lightning game russ was at the vancouver philadelphia game um Apparently, I know that we talked about this before the show because they moved the game up to six o'clock because the Phillies yeah. are playing across the street. I heard somebody else say there was also some sort of soccer game at the. Yeah, East. there was Mexico against somebody in a friendly. But Did let me know? tell you, if you ever wanted to have um, GPS be your friend, that was the day because I'm in the parking lot and I'm like, you know, I know most of the ways out of this place, but I don't know all of them. And so I hit my GPS and it was like, Go the way you're going, and then I rem- and it had reminded me that there is this like little access road next to um, where the Wells Fargo is, and it takes you left away from all of the stadiums, and that you could actually still get onto the highway uh, about a mile and a half down the road that way. And you know what? It worked out so much better because by the time I was on the highway, I saw gridlock just from the Flyers game, and maybe some people that were leaving the soccer game early. And then I can't only imagine how bad it was for the soccer game and the rest of the Phillies crowd after. So thankfully, man, that could have been an all-time traffic jam, for at least for yeah. me, but I, I figured mean, out a way. I mean, just imagine probably with those three games, there was over 100,000 people. Oh, yeah. It, uh, it, it's, it's incredible uh, just how many people were in that area. Like, I never walk – there's never been a time where I've gone into a Flyers game, a night game, walked out – and there's people in at the lake. Usually, you know, on a Saturday, there might be a Flyers game and Temple University. But Temple University fills up, you know, maybe 10,000 people 
in yeah. in the link you know what i mean so yeah that was that was something to to behold so it was almost like live aid the amount of total people you know so um the flyers and the canucks played it was a i mean from the score it looks rather uneventful two nothing flyers win um you know the just to start from before the game because i know we talked about this the fact that the flyers put two games three games into the season have healthy scratched one of their better players and did torts even provide any kind of reason for doing it just said he didn't like his play lately uh he'll evaluate all the younger players for sure and morgan, even if they morgan don't frost, get and morgan frost the player you're talking about and if you know they don't get in the game doesn't mean they're not going to get back in so the way i kind of read it is there's a lot of veterans that are not under the same scrutiny as the younger players to be able to play in his lineup uh because he loves that fourth line they're never going to change so those guys they would have to be really horrific to not play because he just loves that so that's one thing and then with frost uh listen when the game started and they showed him on the big screen i wasn't the only person that noticed that he had a disappointed look on his face and you could understand why i mean he he wants to stay with that team he signed to be with that team and it you know and it's been a struggle and i think he's really done well um playing wise but the game before sure he had a turnover okay great so but again, now they put Scott Lawton back at center, which is not necessarily where he wanted to be, but he'll do anything the team wants him to do. But if you keep Lawton at center, you are going to be squeezing out Morgan Frost slowly over time. And so it does make me wonder if Morgan Frost is going to get traded at some point. I do feel that way, and I'm not the only one that feels that way. Well, I mean, and here's the overall thing when it comes to the Flyers. We know they suck. We know that this is a rebuilding situation. You've got the wrong coach for that where that team is at, rebuilding, accumulating draft picks. Torts plays a game that will earn you points, and you don't want that. You want right now, not to say you want your team to lose, but you, you know, basically you want your team to lose. You want your team to like try hard and not have develop, a lot of develop. Develop. Yeah, you know, play your young guys, they'll make mistakes like frost made um and and you know learn from the mistakes and you know improve organically and instead like they're two and one now i mean if i'm danny briere i'm probably like son of a bitch these guys winning games it's like you know i mean if that was in a tough spot because you know it's easy to say well he's the gm and he could just lay down a hammer with john tortorella good luck yeah Good luck. You don't think Torts has been around the block and knows how to avoid those things? Look at what Mike Babcock used to do. Uh, with Torch Lou. Uses, right. With Lou. Yeah, and Torts uses the same playbook, right? So um, I expect to see the same thing. But, like, early in the year, before the year started, we were heard that, you know, Mark Stahl's not going to play every game. There's going to be stretches where he doesn't play. So far, he's played every game, and he's averaging 18 minutes. Should Mark Stahl be averaging 18 minutes on the top four pairing in any team in this league no but again john likes him he blocks some shots he provides some toughness around the net and that's good enough so that's you know that's going to be a problem because like yegor zamula played great yesterday scored a nice goal you know he's strong he's young he's a good he's almost in that same spot um that lilligren is is currently in 
with Toronto. He's sort of getting into that spot, Mike. And the problem is there's no guarantee that Zamula plays next game because Torch is like, hey, I really like what he's doing. I, you know, I, there's a couple things I'd still like better. And so that leads me to believe like, uh-oh, you know, he's probably given that opening that he's not going to play him next game. And sure enough, they had Emil Andre and Nick Sealer uh, in practice. So, like, it seems like maybe Zamula is not going to play the next game and he got his first NHL goal. And it's like, well, how about this? If you want to play Zamula, who is a big, strong kid and can skate, and you want to play Emil Andre, who is a good young player, and you want to at least see what he's got, then rest Sealer or Stahl. What are you doing? Yeah, because because right now Torts is approaching this season like like I'm going to prove everybody wrong. Right, like I'm going to compete for a playoff spot, and then yeah. you know this is this is Toronto Maple Leafs 2007 through 2014. We mode. just won't say it publicly. He'll say the right things yeah. as far as rebuilding and playing the young players, but you just have to look at usage and minutes, and you can figure out the rest. I'm going to grind away with Delorier and Garnet Hathaway and play, you know, Sanheim 27 minutes and whatever, and do that. And that's counterproductive because this is a rebuilding team. I mean, this the best case scenario for this team is to finish in the top two with the, in the in the first round next year and get Celebrini or whoever else is going to be yeah. at the top of the draft and add one more player. And then that player along with Mishkoff and some of the younger other players like Farabee and whoever who are young enough to, to grow with this team when they're, you know, Gautier, to grow with this team, you know, then you have something in a few years. This team isn't going, you know, I mean, no. this team is not going anywhere. Um, you know, I, I, I would be surprised if they don't trade guys like Konechny and, uh, and Carter Hart before the deadline. You know, maybe Frost gets traded because he doesn't fit to the plan. I mean, it's just, I, 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 I did want to mention the um, Canuck side, though, because yeah. um, I do have good connections there and know people who cover the team and such. Um so, like, Demko played one of the best games of the year. If you go look at highlights, he made two highlight reel saves. That The last one on Scott Lawton, I literally had to rub my eyes because I thought there's no way that puck can be in the net, and it wasn't. Uh, and he's a big guy, but he can make just a great rollover save. Like, it's just it's unbelievable how good he can do it. But he did two of them that were just fantastic. Mm-hmm. But he only gave up two goals, and one of them was a penalty shot. So you can't knock him. But, you know, post game, Quinn Hughes was interesting because – I think he's got a good handle on being a captain. Uh, and I think he, they made a good decision with that because he was kind of like, listen, I told you guys it's going to take a certain amount of games for us to play the right way all the time, get it all together, and we're not there yet. And But the only thing is to take and, – and he wouldn't answer the question, and I don't blame him. He just went with, well, you, you know, I'm going to go with what the ref said. But again, Mike, with the goaltender interference, that call, and I think – I didn't use your name on Locked on Flyers, but I used your um, the way you said it to me. And I'll tell people when we had a phone conversation how you said it. You basically said you didn't think the NHL wanted to sort of set a precedent by saying that it was a good goal because then, you know, they're going to have to kind of ease up on some of the goaltender interference. But, you know, the argument on that play was, did Carter Hart have a chance to even make that save? Because, uh, who was it, Garland, uh, was already like just about in the crease, but wasn't quite there. When, I mean, as far as when you're supposed to be, but when he knocked in the puck, Hart was really like three steps away or two steps away from even covering it. Right. 
Yeah, the the puck in my I, I saw the replay. The puck was loose. He was going down to put his glove on it. It was sort of simultaneous with when Garland put his stick in the crease and in one fell swoop as Hart is going down, Garland is pushing the puck and Hart into the goal. So what you what you're going to, you know, if they had allowed that, then you're going to have every situation where the goaltender is freezing the puck, somebody going in, jamming the stick, trying to push the goalie in the net, and then having to go down that road. And what they did here is they set the precedent. You precedent. You pull, you push the goalie into the net, it's going to be no goal. That's what that's that's, that's probably what yeah, you're probably right. And so that definitely hurt the Canucks and for all the speed, and they skated circles around the Flyers at times. You know, they really couldn't put it together, but they give up too many shots. And I looked at an early shot chart. I talked about it on Sirius, and, like, San Jose has given up, like, 40-something a game. And, you know, the Canucks were, like, sixth or seventh worse. And I don't see that getting any better, so they're going to have to score a lot of goals. They're just going to have to. Well, okay, in the game that I was at, and you have two teams, one in Buffalo who up until last night had gone – winless 0-2 in the first two games and uh Tampa Bay who I have to say you know I looked at the roster that they put out there and okay and I'm not talking about Vasilevsky because we know Vasilevsky covers up a lot of ills yeah um but I'm talking about the lineup and I have it here folks right here right here in my formerly nicotine stained fingers as Rush Limbaugh used to say and I never smoked um but okay Top line, pretty good. Hagel, Point, and Kucherov. Second yep. line, Tanner Janot, Anthony Sorelli, and Michael Essenois. Now, Michael okay, Essenois, it's a little, but it's not terrible. Michael Essenois would be a good third, fourth liner. He's on the yeah. second line. The third line, Connor Sheary, Nick Paul, and Alex Barboule. Yeah, that's a tough one. And then the fourth line, Austin Watson, Luke Glenn Denning, and Walteri Morella, who I've never heard of before. Okay. Rough. They're, That's they're, rough, man. No, they're without <laughs> they're without Stamkos and they're without Tyler Mott. That's you know, Stamkos is ob- obviously a, a significant absence. It's not something long term. But even if you insert Stamkos in there and you put Stamkos on the wing and you move S and Wad down, this is not and and you you know defensively. Uh, Hedman, Cernak, Sergachev, and Darren Radish, and Zach Bogosian and Nick Perbix. This is not a playoff. Why is Zach Bogosian still playing? Well, they they waived him, and nobody claimed him. <laughs> but this is not this is not a playoff. Even with Vasilevsky, I don't know whether this is a playoff team. Yeah, I don't think it is, and I'm not sure Vasilevsky gets back in time. But Cooper like laid down the law. He was like, "Listen, this is a must win," and they didn't win. No, but but they did. They tied up the game with seven seconds, and this is this is the thing with from the Buffalo perspective. They outplayed Tampa. They outshot Tampa. They outchanced Tampa. Tampa had the worst goal, worst of the two goaltenders. Jonas Johansson wasn't really responsible for the two goals. I mean, he was. You know, they they were good good plays. Sabres had a number of opportunities. They couldn't lengthen the lead. They allowed Tampa to stick around. Hagel scored at the end of the second period. Hagel scored with seven seconds left in regulation. They tied the game, and then Dylan Cousins, they, the Sabres dominated overtime, and Dylan Cousins uh, scored in overtime, and they won the game. Right. But they allowed Tampa to stay around. Even with this roster, they allowed them to stick around. Now, 
again, like I said, I don't think Tampa's a playoff team, but Buffalo has lost two games to playoff teams to the Islanders, right. Rangers, and I then mean, how much how how much how much of a struggle is it for that top line right now? For uh, Tom Buffalo, um, well, they finally started to get on the uh, get off the Schneid. In this game, they scored a power play goal. Skinner scored, and they had a number of chances. Thompson is right now a snake bit. He's had a, yeah. I say he's had four or five really good scoring opportunities okay. and hasn't been able to score. So that just happens. I mean, I'm not gonna. Oh, yeah, boy. no, they, they've they've scored six goals in three games. This is a team that was third in the NHL in goal scoring. It'll shake Lewis, you know, but but they played. You know, had Vasilevsky had been healthy. They would have started the year with the three best goaltender against the three best goaltenders in the NHL. So it lightens up a little bit. They're playing Calgary. They're you know like so it, you know in Calgary. We know Calgary is going to be challenged a little bit. Um, now just one one thing. Well, here. Let me ask you this: so yep. three games into it, uh, or is it four games into it for Benson? Right now, if you had to go with what it, no, it's three, and he's got two points. Right. Do you first? What do you foresee happening with him? I mean, he's, he's been one of their better players. That's the thing. The The problem, the problem with Benson is not his ability. And Don Granado has said frequently, like as a young player, you would think that there are shortcomings when it comes to playing defense and being responsible two way. And, you know, Benson is feisty in his own end and he steals pucks and he's got good puck sense. So they're not concerned about that, but the roster situation you know they've got they've been fortunate to have Matthew Savoy on IR. Okay, uh, but Savoy aside, I mean they can figure out what to do with him. They can. Right. But the problem the problem is is the problem is is that they can't send anybody down. No, but if they have to send him back, then you send him back, right? right. I mean, and, but but the thing is, I think he's playing good enough to not send back. But the roster considerations might caused them to send it back. Now, if they trade one of the three goaltenders, if they trade Comrie or Lukanen, then maybe they could keep Benson around. Well, but that's another they, thing that I think yeah. should happen because, look, I don't think Comrie's worth holding on to at the expense of Benson or Savoy really contributing with this team where it looks like they can. But like, right what now, are we talking about here? But right, right now, see, the thing is, they're not going to keep Benson around if he's a 13th or 14th forward. He's got to play. Right. Um, so, you know, if they, and if they trade one of the goaltenders, then they could activate Savoy and then they'd have Savoy off of IR, but then they want these guys to play. It's like, they, you know, the problem is that if they can't play in Buffalo, then, you know, they're going to have to send them back to Wenatachee. No, no, I get that. But like Benson's done nothing to no. say that he's not going to play. He's playing so like an NHLer. He's not, he's not, it's not, he's not phased. He's the, it's not too much for him. He looks like you know he he fits in, um, you know he, he's it, it's not too big for him. He, you know he's an NA, he's an NHLer. It's just a question of whether, you know, I mean, can they find a home for Victor Olsson in the next couple of weeks? Probably not with a salary like like of almost five million dollars. Yeah, it's, I mean that's that's a guy that's holding them back, and that shouldn't be. And then look. Joe's the same way. It's like I got to play Benson over these guys. I just do. And they put they played Joe's in the last game and they won. And they're going to keep him in the lineup. But you know when Jack Qu Jack Quinn doesn't come back until December. But when he comes back, then you have another dilemma because they have there's another quality forward. So but that's when they could send you know Savoy to USA um, to well, World Junior him, Camp. Send to the, yeah, send him to Canada World Junior Camp. 
and and not worry about him until past January. But I just feel like Benson should make this team. And I don't say that very often. You know that. Yeah. Um, and similar situation with uh, with the Leafs where they have um, Fraser Minton. Now he hasn't scored and been as impressive looking offensively as Benson. We're talking about a guy who's 19 and was a second round pick, but he had a great camp. He had a great rookie tournament. He had a great preseason and he's played well in three games for the Leafs. I just like, I don't know, you know, where this is going in terms of they're playing him at third line center with Matthew Nyes. Yeah. And you know, it's not too big for him. He's playing responsible defensively. He seems, he's got a good head on his shoulders. Um, He's, you know, Good, good on faceoffs. Um, I just don't know whether he's ready for this. Now, maybe they're, you know, maybe they're sort of spoon feeding him. They're giving him 12, 13 minutes a night, and they're seeing. I don't know if this, this is like give him the nine games and see. But I'm a little, I'm a little, I'm a little surprised. And and he doesn't have any points. Yeah. So if he goes through like seven games with no points, even if he's doing those other things, I kind of have to send him back. Yeah, and no, I I had been in the arena, uh, been at the arena all day, so I didn't get a chance to see this. But Jerk Ball in the chat is saying that uh, that uh, um, Keith has split up the two because he had the two rookies playing together. I mean, right. I, honestly, um, Nyes has played really well. Um, he's had opportunities; he hasn't been able to cash in. Um, I almost think he fits better playing with Tavares. And play and and this is the these are the lines that they have um, right now. Uh, they and this is not uh, Tyler Bertuzzi was a maintenance day today, so they had Noah Gregor playing with okay. with Matthews and Marner. That's not going to happen. But they had Nyes with Tavares and Neilander. That's where Nyes belongs. Give him a game. Give him a game. Game with a creative center and get him the puck, and he's going to score. You know he's been playing with. Minton, who's just sort of feeling his way, and I, I don't know if that's yeah. beneficial to Minton or beneficial to Nice. But I, just to answer the chat room on Nickel City, uh, it's nice that that uh, Robertson's doing really well. Nick Robertson, yeah. he needs to play like fifty games in the AHL Agreed. to actually prove that he can play uh, fifty games in any league at this point. He's been hurt way too much. You can't bring him up just because he's hot because he might get hurt again. You need to see him. He's got to prove it for they, – they never really kept him in the, in the AHL long enough, and then he would get hurt. He's got to be there for a while, in Nick my Rob- estimate. Nick Robertson needs to stay – prove that he can stay healthy. Yeah. Uh, he need, I think he he plays down there until probably December. And if he stays healthy right. and he scores goals – you know, yeah, he's then got, it's a different story. Yeah, if he's got 20, go- 20 goals by the All-Star break, then he's leaving nothing. You know, then he makes the decision easy. He gets called yeah. up. But he's got to prove that he can stay healthy. And, you know, he's motivated to do it. I think he wants to prove everybody wrong. The naysayers prove, prove everybody wrong. Um, okay, we're not going to do a long show today, but I wanted to touch on this because um, I know that um, a lot of uh, people have been looking at this ESPN top 100 list and yeah they got to say here the the list is top 100 player predictions so basically they're projecting forward otherwise you couldn't rank counter bedard 88th in the league ahead of guys like robert thomas and matthew barzell if you weren't looking forward because those guys are established and they're very good but 
I mean, I have a one a couple things that I have a problem with. I, I, um, wh what I think is the most valuable position in the league is goaltender. It's constantly over. It's constantly overlooked. I mean, yeah. we know that. Can, not can we start at the bottom first? Because I have some ones that I can get out easy right out of the hop, right? So Cole Caulfield, eighty-five. Come on, man. If you're predicting, like you're not predicting great on that. I understand Besser while you're thinking maybe he stays hurt. Okay, fine. That's your Demko 80. Come on. Come on. I mean, what are we talking about here? He's like a top six goalie. Matt Boldy, 77. Matt Boldy? Has he not shown anybody enough yet at the age of 22? So, yeah. you know, those are some of the guys late that really caught my eye. Um, even Kyle Connor at 69. I don't know. This guy's scoring 40 goals a year. It, what's the list of 40 goal scorers? I'm going to look that up. You got You go. Yeah. I mean, you know, just going, I mean, my, my problem is, is that, like I said, the most valuable position um, in this league, I mean, next to center is goaltender yeah. and the highest ranked goaltender was Igor Shesterkin at number 25. It's crazy. Um, sorry, the, uh, the top goaltender should probably be in the top 10. Yeah. Or at least top 12. But 25 is ridiculous. Now, they lump a whole bunch of goaltenders like Sorokin and Vasilevsky in, in the middle. But I just I just think that, uh, you know, that's underrepresenting the, a very extremely valuable position. Like, there are players on here that I, like, I think, you know, projecting forward. Like, John Carlson had a lost year last year. He's, he's had health problems the last couple of years. He's 33 yes. years old. I don't think he should be on the list. I don't think he should be in the top 100. The thing that's raising the stink, the most stink, especially in readers and pits, is Evgeny Malkin did not make the top 100. And people, Which is crazy. You know, he had a great year last year. He's a Hall of Famer. He's won three Stanley Cups. He stayed healthy last year. It would be one thing if this was, this was at before like three or four years where he's had like injuries and he's played half seasons or three three-quarter seasons. He was healthy last year. So I that, that one I don't get, but like I won't cherry pick. I mean, you know, I, like I have a few issues with you know ranking somebody like John Tavares ninety three. I think he's a little yeah. be, a little yeah. better than everybody. Yeah. I mean, does salary matter here? Like, is is this? No, is, no, no. It's I a, know, but it sounds like it does. He was a point. I'm sorry, he's a point per game player last year as a second line center. It's a, you know, it's 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 absolutely. It's absolutely nuts, but here's, you know, at the top of the list, and this is, you know, I mean, everybody's going to think I'm Leaf-centric here, but okay. Yeah, Connor, by the way, Connor had 80 points, so he's almost a point-a-game player, 31 goals last year, so he, he dropped off, but he had 47 the year before. He's had 30s before. Like, he's a young player. Like, what are you doing? You can't dispute McDavid as number one, of course. No, I wouldn't even try. Um. I think that Makar is a top five player. They have him ranked second. Um, you could say two, you could say three or four. I mean, you can't really quibble. So they have, you know, Makar two and Nathan McKinnon, Nathan McKinnon three. Fine. Um, you know that I, I love Jack Hughes, his talent. I think yeah. he's a superstar. I think you know he's a, he's a highlight reel. He's an unbelievable playmaker. He's a good goal scorer. In no universe do I rank Jack Hughes higher than Austin Matthews. Austin Matthews. Was, I agree. 
was fifth. Jack Hughes was fourth. Um, I, I don't get it. I don't now. I think I think part of this is ESPN and um, you know most of the the writers and broadcasters. I don't know how many people they said fifty. They're probably mostly U.S. based. So you know, can you say that Canadian play, Canadian based players, um, you know, got the short end of the stick? Well, no. Number one, yeah, I'm not gonna go. Number there. one was McDavid. He's in Edmonton, but then no, there's no denying. I mean, Leon Drysaddle was ranked sixth. I don't think any top 100 I've seen had Drysaddle as low as six. Usually, yeah. usually they have a one-two McDavid Drysaddle. Yeah, I mean. Look, I'm I'm looking and I have a problem with Sorokin at 30. I've got a problem with Mira Heiskinen or Heiskinen, whichever it is, at 29. Yeah. I got a, I got a problem with Yossi at 27. Like I how think about, how, about, how about three Colorado Avalanche players in the top seven and they lost to an expansion team in the first round last year? Yeah, I think I think what we have to look at here is um what are they valuing more? And it, clearly they're valuing offensive forwards over everything. And I have a problem with that because I still think uh, there's a place for these pretty close to superstar defensemen like McCarr and Fox. And I think that next tier of those guys have just gotten buried like the Haskinens and whatever. And I don't understand it. Just like, I don't, you know, I don't understand where Sorokin is, but I understand the, the superstar forward scoring guys. But after a while, like there's a lot of top scoring guys in this league, but there's not a lot of great defensemen, you know? And I think that's an issue. Like Jake Ottinger shouldn't be 34. We all agree he's a top 10 goalie. Like where would the Dallas Stars be without Jake Ottinger? Like, come well, on. yeah, I mean, Sorokin is 30 and Shesterkin yeah. was 28 or 28 or 29, something like that. It's just, it's they they definitely under undervalue the goaltender. I mean, Vasilevsky 57. Come on. Yeah, I mean, please <laughs> come on. I mean, uh, yeah. So, um, yeah, but three, Chris Letang is ahead of Vasilevsky. Does that make any sense? Three, three Colorado players in the top seven. Well, but thinking about Latang's age and everything else. Yeah, no. I mean, he had a good year. Last, he had a stroke last year. I mean, a Eric stroke. Carlson is – did I even notice Eric Carlson in his list? Uh, he was in the 30s, I think. Let me see. Here 30s. Okay. Uh, Quinn Hughes is 60. Quinn Hughes. Okay. He. How do you have Chris Latang ahead of Quinn Hughes? I, You're I, predicting here. What are we predicting? I don't know. Oh, uh, Eric Carlson, who won, who scored a hundred points and won the Norris, was forty-one. <laughs> I'm no, sorry. We'll, okay. we'll we'll leave it. We'll leave it there. Um, we'll leave okay. It. We'll we'll be back tomorrow with another edition of the Hockey Buzzcast uh, for Russ Cohen. I'm Michael Agello. Thanks for watching, and remember, without the buzz, it's just hockey. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.